you'd how good and how faithful God is. Because at His core, that's who He is, is to redeem and to restore. That's just what He does. And He loves to do it. He's done that all throughout the Bible. And I think Easter Sunday is an amazing picture of it. You think of it from Jesus' end. He created this world, all of us here, everything here, the entire globe, everything. Everything that he created turned on him and said, yeah, we don't want that. We don't want you. A better life is found somewhere other than you. And then he decides, you know what? There's going to be some that are going to realize and understand that true life is found in me and there's no way for them to get to me. And so father and son, hey, here's our rescue plan. you got to go down to the place you created. It's not a great deal for you. And actually going to be subject to them as well. And they will mistreat you. It's all going to go wrong. You'll totally be right. And all you're going to do is suffer. Wow. And Jesus' response is, let's go, Dad. Let's get it. That, like, I hope you just met, like, that's kind of humorously put, but I hope that you, at least something connects within you, that that's like a part, that's like part of his heart. And it wasn't even after the Garden of Eden, after man sinned, and he fell short, and like, man messed up for a really long time, and they're like, geez, you know, they just, they're just not going to get this. It happened immediately in the garden. As soon as they made a mistake, there was a prophetic word given from God himself where he basically said, listen, the rescue plan is already in motion. I knew you were going to mess up. It's already in motion. That's amazing to me. He doesn't sit on stuff. He doesn't get bitter about stuff. He doesn't rub our face in it. It's something that's very unfamiliar to our nature because for most of us, what a lot of us know. And there absolutely is at times, and there are a lot of times in life where we have to be you know, more harsh and more strict with certain things. But much of God's nature is restoring and redeeming. So he rises from the dead because i got to restore this people. I'm going to redeem them. They were bought at a price like with sin and they were dirty and mucked up. And you know what? I'm going to give my perfect life for that and they can just receive that inheritance. That's amazing. And all through the Bible, it just paints a picture of God continually restoring his people. He sets them free in Egypt. They have a land to go into. They mess up. He's like, "Eh, we'll get you there in 40 years. Then they walk around the desert for 40 years. He eventually brings them back in there. Then he tells them of all the blessings that is guaranteed to them if they're just, listen, follow me, follow my voice, follow my way. And if you get the cliff notes, you know that they, they, they don't do that for very long. Then they mess up, kind of do their own thing, go their own way. He sends some prophets, hey, listen, what are you doing? It's not a good deal. Not, not a good choice. This stuff is going to happen to you. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he's like, please, come on back, come on back. And again, he sets it up to where they eventually, they never come back, so then another country takes them over. Did they just lose everything? And he says, listen, I'm going to still restore you and bring you back. I'm still going to give you your own land. I'm still going to send a Messiah. 
Like at his heart and his core, it's so good. And I just want to make sure that this morning, if you don't hear it anywhere else, that at church this morning you heard that God is good and that he is faithful, he restores and he redeems. Because what that means is, now we've just painted a picture of hope that's totally different than what many people think hope is. Because the biblical idea of hope is completely shaped by the Creator Himself. The other idea of hope is you might as well just hope and wish for the best. What else do you got? So let me read you one quick verse. Genesis 50. It's definitely not your typical uh, Easter passage, but we're going to check it out. I think there's something of great value here. And I have to make sure that I'm doing good. All right. Genesis 50, verse 20. And if you have the Pew Bible, you can just yell it out um, just in case somebody's having a hard time finding it. Or not. Yeah, that's true. I put it up there too. But check it out. Verse 19. Uh, it says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. It says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Very interesting here. So super fast catch up, okay? I'm going to leave some things out. Main idea being, Joseph had brothers. He just had a unique favor upon his life from God. God would give him dreams. They would really, in those dreams, he would be able to actually interpret them, which that's amazing. Like how many people actually get dreams and they're like, you just get dreams. It's like, what is this about? Like what's going on? Anybody just get like weird dreams? Like you just get stuff. And some of it's like, most of it's nonsense, but some of it's like, maybe there's something there. To be able to interpret it would be amazing. He would he'd be able to do both. And so, within his giftings, his entire life, unique call from God on his life, that guaranteed a sellout from his brothers, that guaranteed to get him thrown in jail, and that guaranteed a really tough, difficult, and confusing life for a really long time. Because if God's got a call in my life and he's done these things for me, why am I here? Why am I dealing with this? And honestly, he went from one difficulty to the next. That's what he's familiar with. So what happens is, eventually, he gets put in a position where he's second in command of the greatest nation on the earth in Egypt at that time. He's second in command. And what happens is, his family is with him. You'd think maybe after a long period of time, his own brother sold him into slavery. They lied to their dad, said, hey, you know... He was eaten by bears and stuff. And so then he sees his family. You'd think that maybe there'd be some bitterness, unforgiveness there. Kind of, He had a little bit, but it didn't last long. But what he did is he never lost focus of who God was, despite the storms and the trials. And his response is, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So what he is able to do, his life is completely redeemed by God. And what he's able to do is step back and see, you know what? I was sold into slavery. I was in jail. And it took 
a solid 20 years or so for me to be in this position. So you intended to harm me for evil, for bad. God had some other plans. He had completely other plans. And I'm not even going to think about the whys about why that happened. Hope you caught that part. There's not a lot of value in sitting in the whys. There's just not a lot. There is a lot of value in sitting on the who. That's a good word right there. A lot of value in sitting in the who, not on the why. So you see his life be completely redeemed. So here's something amazing about his life. He becomes second in command, maybe a little bit left, 15 years or so in Egypt. That is like an impossible position to get if you're in Egypt. That's like all of a sudden, you know, maybe something similar to one of us in Naugatuck rising to second in command at like Microsoft or like Google or something. Or like it could happen, you know, but it's, it's pretty rare. He's able to do it in 15 years to a position where maybe he'd be considered if he lived maybe two lifetimes, maybe he might get a consideration. So what the enemy had him involved in, thrown into slavery, had his life in complete turmoil, God turned that around and fast-tracked for him for goodness and for his plan. For his life and for the saving of an entire nation. That is incredible. So no matter like what we're in and what we're dealing with, if God is who he says he is, and if we are committed to following him and not bailing out and going back to our own stuff, we will actually experience that restoring and redeeming nature of who he truly is. Because honestly, Easter Sunday, like it's cool to celebrate and it's fun to sing and we could do a yay, rah, rah, that's great. But like we said at church like a month ago, the best evidence of an empty tomb is a full life. That's the best evidence ever that God is who he says he is and that a tomb is empty because he rose himself from the dead. A full life meaning they know a lot or at least something about God's redeeming character and his restorative heart. They just know about that. So what we're going to do is um, a couple people are going to share a little bit about God's restoration in their life and God's redeeming in their life. Are you interested? Yeah. That's good to hear. It's good to hear. So, Eric, we're good over here? We're good. Rob, come on, come on. This is Rob Wilkinson. Come on up, Rob. Until I, <laughs> until I came here, and I I always should probably write something down, but you know God's gonna tell me what to say, and um, you know uh, for anybody new, bald heads are optional, you know, because when I first got here, I I kind of judged the church, you know, I didn't know anybody here, and you know, um, but I've been coming here for like a year and a half, and it's been a great year and a half in my life, really, and uh, met a lot of nice people, and. Uh, did a lot of fun things, and, um, you know, to start it off, um, I'm an alcoholic and a degenerate gambler, you know, my life was a mess, you know, you could tell when I'm lying is when my mouth was moving, 
um, because I always had a story to come up with and, you know, nothing was the truth. And, um, you know, things are really different today. You know, three years ago, it was on Easter Day. Um, you know, I went to the liquor store. I got a big bottle of vodka bigger than me. And, you know, I was just going to hold up and, you know, I was working on a house and I was just going to go in the house alone and drink that bottle of vodka, you know, because for some reason the vodka did something, you know. I don't know what it did, but it just, you know, I know what it did. It made my life a mess. And, you know, I call it God blockers, you know. It was just, you know, the gambling, the drinking, it was just uh, blocking me from God. And, um, you know, I was walking home and my brother picked me up and he said, throw that bottle out, you know. I threw it out of the car, and I haven't drank since. And um, <laughs> definitely God working in my life that day and every day. You know, even you know, even when I was drinking, God was looking out for me because I did some, um, you know, stuff that He shouldn't do. And you know, I didn't really have any regard for my life or anybody else's life. You know, um, and life is such a precious thing. It's. Uh, unbelievable you know the life I have today it's it's you know it's not all roses and uh, <laughs> you know my wife will tell you that you know we got our uh, things but uh, you know it's it's definitely different today you know and it's definitely gotten a lot different uh, coming to church and everything and you know I look forward to coming to church every week and doing things with the church um, you know last year you know just before around this time we had the ice fishing trip that was a really good time and um, you know, the Earth Day where we cleaned up. And, you know, these are things I wasn't doing in my life, you know, and getting up in the morning and doing readings with my wife. You know, we never did that. We started doing that last year, you know. And um, things are changing. You know, we got a lot of work to do, and definitely. But um, it just, you know, life to me today is, you know, my brother... Um, you know, I was raised Catholic, and we're Catholic. My brother got confirmed last night in the Catholic Church, so we went to church for that. It was like three hours long. It was a long service. <laughs> but, you know, that was the brother I was with when I was drinking, and I, you know, I was just thinking, you know, here this morning and last night, you know, how much our life is changing and how much God is working in our life and the miracles he's given us. It's just, it's all a gift, you know. It's all a gift that I don't really deserve, and I got it. You know, and thank God that he, um, you know, that he is redeeming. And, you know, it's beautiful. It's, um, you know, my my nephew, you know, it's like a little over a year, you know, so every bald guy he sees he calls Rob, you know. <laughs> that's Rob, that's Rob, you know. And he's saying Rob last night, and he said teen last night. And these are, you know, if I was doing the other things, I wouldn't have made it last night, you know just blew that off or something stupid and um just i don't know you know I, I i could get into a lot of story and you know how bad my life was but it's just you know i really wanted to concentrate on how it is today you know it's just getting different and um jared's been for for you know for our family he's been there he you know showed up you know a couple of times you know just prayed with us and you know, got through a few things, got through that day, and, you know, the prayers must have worked, because we're still here, you know, and um, the prayers definitely work, you know, I'm praying more each day, sometimes I sit down and pray, you know, I kneel, 
get on my knees in the morning and pray and my mind races you know I think about work I think about this I think about that and I wonder if I'm praying right but I must be praying right because my life is getting so so much better you know I'm doing so many different things you know um it's definitely one day at a time you know and I'm glad I don't know what's next because I know it's only good's coming next you know there's going to be um a lot of things to deal with in life that aren't easy but you know, I know if, you know, I know I could get through them, you know, with prayer and just staying close to God, you know. The devil had a hold of me, really, and um, he's got a lot of power, you know, if I let him have that power. But his power is limited, you know. My God's power isn't limited, you know. It's ultimate power. And, um, you know, that's that's really good news right there, <laughs> yeah. And um, I just want to Um, and in a minute, uh, one other person will come up and share. Doing good. We're doing good. Hey, one thing I want you to notice, too, when you hear, um, and, you, and you heard some of it in Rob's, and you're going to hear some of it in Lori, is that there's a difference. Um, so, so changing for the better in life is a good thing. Making good changes, you know, just getting out of bad stuff and getting into good stuff or getting away from bad habits, getting into more healthy habits. Um, good stuff, Right? There's also a change that happens where we become more like Jesus. Where he empowers us to do it and our lives more reflect the kind of selfless sacrifice that relies on our Heavenly Father. Those are two very different changes. So hopefully you heard a little bit within Rob's that yes, he made some changes, got away from some things. But he's also changing to actually look more like Jesus Christ. And he's being empowered through that. And he's not perfect. I mean, you know, you heard him talk about that, and there's still a long way to go. That's why he's part of the club. But, there's a big thing between I've changed some things, changed some things in my life, versus I have allowed God to change some things in my life, and I'm not getting any further until he helps me the rest of the way. It's very, very different. So I want you to make sure you hear that when, when uh, Lori's going to come up and talk now and a little bit reflect back to what Rob said. So Lori, come on up. Mine's a tiny bit longer. <laughs> um, good morning, everybody, and happy, happy Easter. Uh, Pastor Jared asked me to do this testimony of restoration and redemption and my recovery. And to be honest, I really wasn't feeling it at first. Um, but I didn't want to say no either, because pretty much from the moment he did ask me, I do believe that some po- positive changes started happening within. So I'm just going to start from where in the beginning. Like in 2005, my mama had a massive heart attack. She suffered from COPD, and there was like a two-week period after she had a heart surgery where she was on a breathing machine. The docs weren't sure if she was going to be able to breathe on her own without the machine, and I'm a recovering drug addict, and I started using again after having seven years clean and sober. My using just added to the stress of my family, what they were going through dealing with my mom's sickness. And after a couple of years and a few rehabs later, I did finally get sober again. 
I always felt a connection with God almost immediately after I stopped using. I would have a routine of praying, daily readings, writing in my journal, going to meetings, and fellowshipping with other people in recovery. And, then, and I really felt, felt a sense of goodness, and I know that it came from God. Uh, soon after I got sober, I met Eric, and um, we fell in love and have been together for almost eight years. Um, he's always been a stable, bright spot, and I couldn't imagine my life without him. So we were a happy, sober couple for about two years, but we did start using drugs together in 2011, and uh, it was about a year before my mom died. Terrible, because I really hardly saw my mom the last year of her life. And um, we ended up moving here to Naugatuck, which is Eric's hometown, and uh, the Naugie Motor Lodge became our home for the next two years, and it was complete insanity. Um, 2012, my mom died. I was able to be with her and my family the last week of her life, um, and then two months later, I got arrested for breaking into the salon that I used to work in, stealing money for drugs. Uh, the prosecutor questioned my boss, and somehow he was able to say some positive things about me as a person and my work ethic. And the judge told me that was the only reason I was staying out of jail. I was put on probation, and uh, six months later, I broke into my dad's house, grabbed his money, and fought with my sister Leslie. Um, my boss and my dad, two men that I highly respected and looked up to, but... As an active drug addict, all I cared about was getting money to do more drugs. And on July 13th of 2013, I went to jail for six months. Yep, that's where it took me. Complete craziness there, but something awesome did happen. Uh, every week, I was able to go to church. And other than talking to Eric, it was what I looked forward to the most. The pastor gave me a Bible, and I did my daily readings, wrote in my journal, and I prayed. I felt some goodness stirring inside me, even while sitting in that jail cell. And for the first time, I really started praying to God as if he was my father. Before, I would just say it without really feeling it. And when on the phone with Eric, we would talk about finding a nice little church when, we got out, when I got out. He noticed something different in me, a new excitement for life, even though I knew it wasn't going to be easy. My family, understandably, didn't want anything to do with me. And a week out of jail, I went to the food bank, and I met Lisa and Noella. Uh, they gave me some winter clothes and some good goodies. We, I, was, I was at the food bank. Uh, I asked um, who they were representing, and they said the Calvary Chapel right here in Naugatuck. And uh, the next Sunday we went to church, and we felt loved and a connection with God and other people that was well needed and lacking in our lives. They picked us up every week, and we looked forward to it. I went to the CC Noggy website, and uh, Pastor Jared's passions, he said, were transformation and restored relationships by the power of the gospel. That really stood out to me because I really wanted and needed transformation, and a huge goal, huge goal of mine was restoring my relationships with my family. And a beautiful thing happened a month later. Noella had to move away for a while, and Lisa needed roommates, and we needed to get out of that motel. God's timing couldn't have been more perfect. Uh, the sense of love and family we felt from Lisa and Noella, Papa, Cynthia, and Joanne was amazing. They welcomed us, and we were so grateful and excited to help with the yard. And we had some beautiful flowers and a great garden and a pool to help take care of all things Eric and I were missing in the motel. <laughs> By now, two of my sisters were talking to me. And um, they helped us out, and we spent some time together. They were thrilled that we met Lisa and found the church. They, they loved the difference it was making in our lives. My sister Leslie and my dad weren't ready to talk, but I did send my dad a happy Easter email, and I let him know about our move, the church, and our new friends. 
He responded saying that he was happy with the changes and that he thought it was time for me to be the role model to my sisters considering I was the oldest. Jared started talking about baptism and Sunday fun day at church and what baptism was all about. And Eric and I discussed it and we knew it was the right time. CC Noggy had 12 members get baptized that year and it was an amazing crew. It was an awesome feeling, that connection and getting to know them better, as well as we all, accept, we all accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. All the torture and suffering he endured so that we could be saved and forgiven for our sins. The way I had behaved when I was using drugs, I honestly thought I would listen to the, what the enemy wanted until I was dead, having no regard for who I hurt in the process. I didn't see any hope. When I did, I did my baptism ceremony the week before Sunday Fun Day. And then I went to visit my dad right after. It happened to be Father's Day, and we had an amazing visit. He had forgiven me, and I was amazed and blessed. I truly was really feeling redeemed. Praying, going to church, reading the Bible, journaling, fellowshipping, and helping others in that first year completely changed me and gave me a daily hope for a bright future. Four days later, after my visit with my dad, my Aunt Donna died. She had cancer. We had prayed for the treatment to work, but God had other plans. During those sad days, my sister Leslie and I started talking. Soon after that, her and I went to the cemetery to visit my mom, plant some pretty flowers around her headstone. Awesome sister bonding time. Restoration of relationships with my family. Goal, Goal achieved within five months of walking through the doors of this church. Yes, thank you, Jesus. My new life in Christ that whole first year was a true blessing. I didn't take anything for granted. My family saw and felt the changes since the church had become such a big part of our life. Lisa and I would go to the food bank, give out beverages, food, soap, clothes, and CC Noggy cards. Lisa would pray for anybody who needed it, and I would let people know how blessed my life had become since I started coming to CC Noggy. We tried to talk them into coming, coming, especially since my life had done a complete 360 after meeting Lisa and Noella and going to the food bank. A year ago, my dad asked us to move into his house, which blew my mind. Leslie told us that he liked having us around, and I love watching the relationship build between him and Eric. So we moved to my hometown, Danbury, the house I grew up in. As we started settling in, a lot of emotions started getting stirred up in me, starting with my mom. The feelings of guilt and shame of not being present in her life, when I know I should have been, overwhelmed me. My boss, my career of 20 years of being a master hairstylist, fired right down the tubes because of my drug addiction. And to top it off, I broke in and stole money from the man I so admired and who did so much for me. And then there was my ex and I. We started doing drugs together after my mom got sick in 2005. We spent every bit of his hard-earned money from his million-dollar HVAC business and brought it right to the ground, not to mention he was on oxygen the last year of that drug use. I basically had no regard for that. I just wanted more drugs. And the fourth thing I couldn't stop thinking about was my friend Jana. She was my sponsor in AA, and we were really close. We did a 60-mile walk for breast cancer in honor of her mom. The bond and connection we had was something I really missed. I was not a good friend to her once I started using drugs again. These feelings of guilt, shame, and condemnation overwhelmed me while living at my dad's this last year. And up until recently, I didn't talk about it. I would try to read the Bible, wasn't really feeling it, or a connection. I would still go to church most of the time and try to help out, but I definitely wasn't feeling restored or renewed. The feelings of guilt and shame were very familiar to me. I used to use lots of drugs and numb and escape from them. 
That wasn't an option because I wasn't willing to give up all the blessings and I wasn't willing to lose my relationships that had been restored. But boy, did the enemy try to get in and feed me with feelings, feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, and worthlessness. Finally, I started talking to Eric about the guilt and shame. And then Pastor Jared asked me to speak on Easter about restoration. Soon after that, a little miracle started happening. God started speaking to me through my church family. And on February 21st, Jared had a message at church. We were in John chapter 19, verse 38 through 42, where he talks about Joseph of Arimathea being a secret disciple of Jesus. And Jared said, God is okay with a transparent and authentic pursuit of who he is. And God has a place in his heart for people who are figuring it out. And I was thinking, cool, phew. When that word transparent came up, I thought, I really need to start talking about this stuff. And then he said, you can even have a season of secrecy, but don't make it last five years. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be stuck in this stuff for five years. But I did feel a shift. And then on February 26th, Jerick's Facebook post, John chapter 15, verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And then Jared added, pain is not always an enemy to be avoided. Sometimes it's a strategic instrument of growth from a loving father. That guilt and shame needed to be pruned, and I was really starting to feel hopeful and loved. Then Monday, February 29th, three days later, Julie sent a group text out to a few of us girls from her daily devotionals that changed everything in me. It said... The enemy can use moments of loneliness and pain to distract you from the potential and purpose that God has for your life. But even in your greatest agony, God is there. He isn't waiting for your strength to rise above your feelings of abandonment. He's waiting for your faith to rise as you acknowledge your dependence on him. Breakthrough. I pulled out my Bible, I dusted off my journal, and I started writing. My thought was that maybe my struggles could be my greatest strength. Maybe I could share, give hope, and help others out. Two days later at Wednesday night Bible study, which I can't express enough that Bible study has been like, I feel like I'm in school for the first time. Um, Jared had us write down this sentence. It said, uh, to cultivate a mindset that is in agreement with what God says about me. And then we went to Romans chapter 2, verse 2. And it says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Breakthrough. I let the enemy rule my thinking. And then two days later, we were at Friday night Bible study at Keith and Tammy's, and we watched a video with Greg Muller about guilt, shame, and condemnation. And he said that guilt, shame, and condemnation are never, ever God. It is all produced by the enemy. And I know today that I'm not defined by my past value. Christ died so that I may truly feel the glory of being his daughter and to celebrate it. And then Greg also said, let her die already. Don't, and don't raise her from the dead. And I, 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 you know, I am a brand new woman in Christ. I was able to share with the group how the emotions overwhelmed me and how stuck I felt. The weight off my shoulders was lifted. It was an amazing feeling. After feeling layers of dreadfulness fall off me, at Bible study Wednesday night, I was reminded of four toxic words to the Christian faith, procrastination, pride, complacency, and compromise. After moving into my dad's, I knew it was time to clean out and freshen up our house. Procrastination, complacency, and pride and compromise kept me from doing the job that I know that God wants me to do. But in the past month, I've been attacking areas of our house with productive, positive energy. 
I'm getting it done the right way, paying attention to detail, which in turn makes me feel pretty fruitful and holy. I quit smoking 14 days ago. Feels, feels pretty holy. I've been walking, jogging, enjoying God's wonders, eating healthier foods, and that feels pretty holy too, and I definitely am feeling restored. As far as what I felt about my mom, I know she's pretty happy with what she's seeing these days, looking down on her family. My dad is well taken care of, and he seems pretty happy. The whole spirit of the house has changed. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I know he's doing a work in me. As far as my boss and my ex are concerned, I've become willing to make amends to them whenever that may be. I don't feel the need to duck and run the other way anymore. And my friend Jana, who I miss terribly and haven't talked to since 2009, messaged me last Sunday on the way to church saying that she's been praying for me and thinking about me. <laughs> Which, like, blew my mind. I mean, we talked Sunday night on the phone and we're getting together in a couple weeks to catch up. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, God is so good. I just, I'm so grateful, so grateful for my church family. God's words truly spoke through them and gave me such encouragement to move forward and shine brightly on others so that they don't have to sit in the darkness and to let them know that there is freedom from that. When we accept Christ as our Savior, we are all given a new life in him, and sometimes there is pain involved. I think new levels of restoration and redemption happen. I am living proof. And when we do the work that God wants from us, it changes us. Layers of yuck drop off, and we become stronger and wiser. Then we can sprinkle the words, the works of the Holy Spirit on people who really need, a, need it and need us. My sisters are so happy to see their Lori back, and even better, the Lori that's excited about her life and what God has in store for her. There's, there was also a feeling of accomplishment on December 23rd. I successfully completed my probation for two years, and that was a big relief. And then there's my Eric. God spoke through him. He would always encourage me in his gentle ways. He loved me no matter what, even through all the ups and downs. He asked me to marry him on Christmas morning in front of my family, which made for the best Christmas day my family has had in years. He is an inspiration to me how he lives a peaceful, Christ-like life. I can't wait to marry him, and I'm looking forward to the work involved at keeping God at the center of our marriage. As God's loving daughter, I have a true desire to honor him, to do his work, and to serve as he sees fit. John 3.16, God loved us so much that he gave up his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins. It's taken me a while, but today I fully and completely trust in his forgiveness. No self-bondage anymore. I feel empowered to be fruitful and plant the seeds of hope and courage to help others. And let the, letting them know that they can have a new life in Christ. The tomb is empty, people. Jesus conquered the grave.